Hey, group chat, I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as Black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. It's Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. This is Glenn at Bedstab Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. It's your girl Shade. It's Glenn. And Chels Pinky. What's up, ladies? How uh, you feeling? How you doing? Feeling all sorts of ways. Full disclosure, people, this episode is coming out post-election, but we're recording before we know the results, which is already giving me anxiety. Yes, girl. You know what? Let's get into this properly in uh, our new segment, Hotline Bling. So what has been going down in your life? What's the most pressing thing? I think probably for all of us, like you said, Chelsea, the election is on our minds. Um I as you, like we don't know what's going to happen. I the day that this episode comes out will be the day after the election and I don't think even by then we're going to know right the, the results. results. Uh I mean that's what's consuming my life outside of the election. I have just been working, working, working and like you ever have an uh, a like a a thing with a coworker not the best experience, but that coworker is black, so you don't want to deal. What's the thing? Mm. So basically, in my role, I work in sales, and so there's another team called customer service, and their job is to support me, basically, to get the company money. Um, so if I ask a question, sales should answer the question, um, since our shared goal is to get money. Um, but I've been getting some pushback and it sucks because it's from like the black person. So I'm like, I don't know how to deal with it. Because there's only like three black people at my company. I mean, I think you just keep it a buck with this person. If you feel comfortable, like you can, like, I don't know what the rapport is, but like. I never met her because I work remote. It's fine that you never met. Maybe be like, can we have a chat? Yeah, yeah. I did speak to my black lady boss about it because it just came out and we have that relationship. And I was like, please don't escalate this. I don't want it to be an issue for her, especially because she's black. Like, um, I think I want to deal with it on my own. So I do think I'm going to have a chat with her. Coffee, virtual coffee. And then she comes on and you're like, so we got beef. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Oh my gosh. I am maybe doing this thing that my my boyfriend says that I do that I'm you know starting to dig out through recently going back to therapy holla fucking luya but I have like completely repressed that there's an election like I know there's an election I see it I voted I see people lining up for early voting but like it hasn't really like clicked that like oh, like this is going to like happen and like whether the results are good or bad there's going to be wild outcomes of like if it's good then you know it's very likely that people on the trump side are going to be like wiling obviously if trump wins like that's going to feel 
terrible and awful. And so for me, I'm just been like, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm working. I'm taking things day by day. But like those things haven't clicked, right? I'm like, yes, there's going to be an election and people are going to vote. But all the repercussions of that have weren't like really apparent to me. And then my, I was at my boyfriend's the other night and like, he just like cannot sleep. It's so wild. Like I passed the fuck out. And then he was like up watching something and then maybe meant to sleep at like 2 a.m. and then was up at like six. And I was like, are, are you okay? Like what's going on? And he's like, yo, I think I'm, I like have so much anxiety around this election and it's like impacting my sleep. And I'm like, what? I'm like, oh shit. You know? Yeah. I feel him. That's, that's some real shit for real. Um, yeah. It hit me the other day recently out that I, that like this man could win. And I was like, oh, um but my hotline bling like what's going down this week um <laughs> just you know some fuck girl activities here and there um are you I- making someone's hotline bling are you blowing <laughs> up someone's phone is that what's happening probably have been a little bit probably one it's a yes or no you don't know kind of yes yes um but this 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 man that i met literally over a year ago in dc just is texting me out of nowhere has that ever happened to y'all before that is so weird to me is he in brooklyn now spoken to him in a year did he move here he was in dc he did not move i said hi who is this and something in me knew when i saw that 202 pop up I was like, this is this weird ass dude coming back and texting me a year later. Have you guys had a thing? Did you guys ever hook up? Never. I gave him my number one night in a bar. How the fuck did you know it was him? I just knew because he just has that kind of weird energy. I just knew. I don't know. Remember, I mean, we just talked about this before we got on the phone. Oh, you're like, a medium. A medium. I was like, this is this man. Like we met, I think he's from, he's from like a... Liberia or something and right before I met him I was on my way to Ghana so I was like texting him like oh I'm on my way to Ghana blah 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 and we chatted for a little bit and then I was just like off it oh I tried to um I told him like he's like when when am I gonna see you I was like you want to put me on the Amtrak and he was like playing mad games so I was like okay bye you would go if he if he got you an Amtrak (laughs) I would take that Amtrak yes and like go hang out with my friends and family (laughs) what the fuck I just wanted to see if he would do it. Exactly. Like, right. Well, don't be I get mad somebody he, to buy me an Amtrak ticket? Don't be mad when he blings up your hotline. Boom. And, and can we get a flight instead of an Amtrak? Or I what? know. Flight or Amtrak. At least it's not the bus. We're not taking the bus. <laughs> That's just not happening. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I realized that, like, the fun part of being single was my phone being, like, blown up by multiple people, even though they were on some fuckboy shenanigans but every now and again it would be like oh who's this and I never saved the numbers so it was always like a little like guessing game for me and now I'm like oh no one blows up my phone my boyfriend doesn't even blow up my phone. hotline oh <laughs> damn oh god that was kind of funny dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um can we get the latest there or something it is what it is. I mean, like, we're fine. It's just like growing pains and differences and understanding one another's communication. And I'm like, why does anyone do this? 
Like, why does anyone choose to be in a relationship with someone? Like, why can't you just do what I want you to do and be who I want you to be? Like, why is that so hard? Well, you could find someone who would do that. You could find a guy that will do what you want to do and be who you want to be. Yeah, that's true. I have. And he sucked. True. That's true. That's true. See, that's what you always liked about this relationship that you're in, that it was that it challenged you, actually. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm just like fully leaning into seasonal depression mode, guys. Just it's going to get gloom and doom. These next few episodes from Shade. Enjoy. Get a lamp. Get a lamp. (laughs) They have like sun seasonal depression lamps. I have one. Oh, like we're going to be stuck inside. Like that's the one thing that I was talking with him about the boyfriend about he was like yo no matter what happens after this election like you can't just be gallivanting around the world like you need to sit your ass down still a pandemic and i was like (laughs) hell yeah slash who knows how volatile it's gonna get like exactly you might get stuck somewhere it's just not worth the risk exactly he said all these things and i was just like wow so i'm just gonna be here that well, at least you two are in Brooklyn gallivanting together. I'm in Manhattan by myself. Who's gallivanting together? Okay. I mean, I'm not mad, but I'm just saying. I've actually been even seeing Shadi in like two weeks since we came back from our little moment. Her stint. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen. That's the thing, too. I'm in here like trying to get my house together with right. my roommate who. I think hates me. So there's that too. (laughs) Is there roomy drama? No, there isn't drama. We're just like, we're so different. It's so funny. It'll be like the silliest thing. And he'll like, he'll be like, no, that's not how you, that's not how you pack the meat away in the freezer, Shade. You need to double wrap it in saran wrap and then wrap it in foil and da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh my I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. Or like, he'll want to like spend time with me and I'm like, sorry, gotta record, gotta do work. I'm not fun. I actually have a lot to do and it sucks. What's his sign? Libra, but Virgo moon. Oh, I love, I love Libra. Libras. I used to live with a Libra. He was a psychopath too, but like, <laughs> in the best way, but like... <laughs> Uh, I'm like crazy we're gonna have to figure out some type of like girl retreat that's like local and but like safe I have a place I have a place I think it's called Troutbeck and it is where like Martin Luther King stayed they like the NAACP used to meet there it's beautiful and we should go there and it's driving distance so how far away is it wait is it black owned I think so <laughs> if it's not, then we will pick somewhere else. We also need to be going to Aquava. That is black owned, sis. Okay, so and I'd love to go, but how do we think the uh, surrounding environment is going exactly. to be? Most Trump. Exactly. Oh, because, no. yeah. I mean, but we don't have to leave the, we don't have to leave the, uh, the Rocks. land, the grounds. <laughs> the grounds. I'm the talking estate. about getting there. I'm talking about getting to the estate. Get some tinted windows and oh we just drive up there. No one has to know. Oh, the blacks, the blacks are coming. No. Oh my gosh. But yeah, let's let's figure that out. Let's find a little retreat. Give me something to look forward to. 
Oh, Lord. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I'm like, this is sad. It'll be fine. Biden's going to win. I'm putting it out there. Okay. By this time, you're either going to be like, bitch, you're wrong. I think he's going to girl. No, actually, I can't magic. say that. I can't say it. I can't say it because I don't know. No, don't put your positive energy out Yeah, we here. need positive affirmations. But yes, he's going to win. Still, there's still potential for no, turmoil. No potential. Oh, for turmoil. Yes. Yes. So that's where I'm like, yikes. Like, do you guys know that a bunch of stores are boarding up their- um, It makes sense. Their their storefronts. Yeah. Because they We're, think there's going to be riots. People are panic buying again. Oh. Which I did not know. Were you in America when the, when the like Black Lives protests were really happening every single day? I was in Florida. Okay. Well, I was living in like right in the middle of it. And- I'm not going to lie. It was intense. Like I watched a whole store get ransacked, obviously by like young kids. It wasn't the protesters, but like, yeah, I could understand why people are preparing because there's going to be outrage either way. I think people like that kind of behavior though. I'm like, people are panic buying again. People are so extra, but look, whole time I'm going to be talking shit and everything's going to go crazy. And I'm going to be in my house. Like with no toilet "Ah!" paper. My purple carrot boxes are going to stop coming. <laughs> My dumb ass was like, well, you can always still order in, but like, no, you can't. You cannot. <laughs> no, there was a whole freaking what it was like. We couldn't go outside after a certain time. The curfew. Was, yeah, the, the curfew. curfew. It was so weird. What the fuck? Made Do we need to get the fuck out of here? Like, maybe. Maybe. Ugh, I don't I know. Myself. I played myself. I need to Anyways. figure out. I want to talk to Olu. Let's jump into the group chat, please. Yes. For some healing, please. Healing, please, (laughs) Lord Jesus. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. All right, guys. So we are going to jump into the group chat. And this week we are joined by Olu Dare, my god brother, my homie, and the founder of Kire Wellness, which is a collection of Afro-holistic wellness practices dedicated to the radical healing of African descendants. In Olu's lifetime practicing Yoruba Lukumi healing, he learned that personal freedom for African descendants can come from celebrating their own ancestral lineage of wellness. Oh, so excited to have you join us today. Yeah, so excited. Before we jump into all the questions that we have for you, though, we always play this game called On Read or Reply. So basically, when you get a text message, if it's something that you're not here for, you might leave it on read. If it's something that you are here for, you'll reply. So on red, thumbs down, here for it, reply, thumbs up. So I made this week's on red or reply very Lukumi Yoruba centric because I thought that this would be hilarious for those in the tradition to like kind of understand. And if you're not really in it, you still might get it. Whatever. (laughs) We're going to go. We're going to break it down. So my first on red or reply is having a spiritual group chat. So for some context, like within our religion, you have these things called elays, which are your houses. And so back in the day, you guys would all spend time together. People didn't have like iPhones to make group chats, but now they do. And some people's elays have wild group chats. So Olu, are you replying? Are you leaving that on red? On red. (laughs) 
Cornbread for sure. Cornbread for sure. I am all about link up. Text me because we really about to do something. Holla at me with the location of where we're linking up, you know, things like that, emergencies, daily check-ins, fine. I'll even do a phone call before I do a group chat. I'm old school. I love it. So are you doing any group chats at all or? No. Oh, wow. Well, you're in the group chat today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is different. But yeah, I mean, like, I've never been a group chat person. Never. Like, I'm always the person that's like, so what are we doing? (laughs) You putting everybody on do not disturb, leaving the chat, all of that. Yeah, well, I'll stay in the chat, but I'll put it on Do Not Disturb. And then if something important comes up, you know, like I need I need a group chat buddy that just like, okay, this is important stuff, Olu. Chime in. Got it. That's amazing. Glenn needs a group chat buddy. I know I do have that. People will be like, go read the chat, please. Yeah. I feel <laughs> you. I feel you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Our next on Reddit reply is how Lukumi Santeria whatever you want to call it, traditional Yoruba practices are portrayed in media, on read or reply. What am I on reading or replying to? The way people will like, I have very specific instances in mind, but the way you may watch a TV show and they're like, yeah, you know, this is a, this is a Yoruba practice. And it's like way far out there and super hyperbolized. It's like, nobody does that. Damn, uh, that one's hard. That one's hard because it's like my ego is so involved sometimes. But when I drop my ego, it's definitely an on red because it's like at the end of the day, I, mean, I think most times it's an on red for me. Like I don't really feel like I have to defend Orisha tradition. You know, it's like people hear stuff. It's sort, of, it's sort of like gossip, you know what I mean? That like I might hear about myself or whatever. It's like, I don't really feel the need to have to like clear it up all the time. People kind of believe what they want to believe and have been saying whatever they want to say about African traditions forever. So like I speak from my perspective and if people come to my platform to hear what I got to say, then they do. But I'm not getting into no like, oh, I just heard some shit and now I'm, you know, I'm going to be on the facebook or something like that trying to reply and like defend the tradition it's like people don't care either way they're gonna believe what they want to believe that's a fact that is a fact and then if your ego is involved though oh if my ego is involved hell yeah like my first like i can't tell you how many times i've like literally wrote in a response or something like that on facebook and then i'll be like then i think about the thousands of responses i'm gonna have to do after that because the person that I'm talking to probably ain't ever stepped foot in a room of African tradition anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like trying to convince somebody or have a conversation with somebody who doesn't have any stake or any experience in what I'm talking about. So I'm literally arguing with a fool with that particular conversation. They might be a genius somewhere else and an expert somewhere else, but it's like, if you ain't thinking, really talking to you about this like you're not asking questions you're making statements so that already tells me you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do I have for you what do I have to do for you nothing like it's just gonna be an argument I feel that I feel that all right our last one is speaking to your ancestors 
and or having ancestral altars on red or reply? Reply. Reply, reply, reply. I think that's a great conversation, especially, like I said, if it starts with questions, like if we talk about people who really don't know or like are brand new or, you know, searching, things like that, and they got questions, cool, I can deal with questions. If they got statements, then I want to learn kind of thing. You know, I want to listen. I want to like, okay, like, where are you coming from? Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. Now we're going to jump into the juice, into the group chat. So on this episode, we really just wanted to learn a little bit more about the Lukumi tradition. You know how like Christianity, when like you don't go to church, someone's like, oh, you're a heathen. Right. I think I am the heathen of Lukumi. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Like I grew up in it and like if need be I can jump in but like you know what you're talking about so I would just love for you to share more about like growing up in the tradition and just more about what you do <laughs> well the first thing that I want to say is that everybody has their own path like there's that's the most beautiful part I feel like about Orisha tradition and African traditional practices period like there's no dogma that's like everybody rolls the same way so the whole idea of being able to g-check somebody for like not doing something the way i do it is a bunch of bullshit really um there are folks who try it um but a lot of times those are folks who are seeking more power than actual healing or you know trying to like you know like really bring somebody to their own power because that's a difference like me as a godparent as a spiritual guide leader whatever it's like trying to bring folks who fuck with me to their own power, you know, like they don't have to like be under my power. You know, my power is supposed to like bring light to their own light. Okay, I'm back. Um, my power, my light is supposed to like amplify their light or help them to see their own light. Um, so for me, growing up in a tradition was I think was to my benefit because I didn't come from a Christian background or like a Western religious background. It was all Lukumi like you. So it was sort of like having my own roadmap from jump, understanding what a reading is, understanding how Orisha speak to people individually, how is nobody else's business, you know, seeing an Orisha literally pull somebody to the side in front of a group full of people and literally tell people like, mind your business like <laughs> that you <know>? does happen <laughs> everybody want to be nosy everybody want to be like well what's, what's god bon chinche <laughs> like what's god talking about with you what oshun said to you today and oshun is like can you back up though <laughs> so i've just seen orisha be kind of like gangster and g-checking people on a real way like mind your business live your own life that kind of vibe so for me that's what stuck out to me the most like of course with respect and that's been i think the hardest part is being a child in it and growing up in it and getting all of like the basic things young so now that i'm like a young man having to like navigate these relationships with elders and stuff like that when they still hold like archaic ideas of power you know, because maybe they grew up in more Christian, like Western ideas of power where somebody has to be on top, whatever. 
Um, so like navigating that space has been interesting because it's like, I'm young, I was a kid in this tradition, but now I'm a man and I know what Orisha has to say. So I'm not necessarily gonna take everybody's word for it just because they're an elder, you know what I mean? It's like, I know right from wrong. So if we can, let's pull back really quickly. If you could explain what we practice to someone who has no idea, how would you, how would you do that? Okay. I would, I would describe it as Afro ancestral holistic healing arts. Um, that is what we do. Like it's, it's like African martial arts, basically like the movement forms that we do, um, you know, for somebody who's never understood or seen Orisha movement or Afro ancestral movement, it's close to Qigong, like the purpose of it, um, you know, yoga, things like that, that really bring you to a centered space of wellness that help you to get rid of grief, that help you to breathe, um, that help you to reflect, you know, and bring you back to center. That's what all of our movement and our songs are made to do. It's ancestral veneration. And so we keep our ancestors alive. We keep God alive through our song, through our dance um, and through our ceremonies um, and through our scholarship, which exists because of the song and because of the dance, we learn and keep the medicines of our ancestors, including the herbs, including the ways to move, the ways to speak, the ways to navigate through politics, through you know, tragedy, you know, et cetera, how to gain wealth, how to work through life. Like, it's just a roadmap that we've kept through song and through dance. So people have to understand that that dance and song is scholarship for African culture. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then when you all speak of Orisha, can you say more about what that means for someone who wouldn't know? Sure. So like the word Orisha literally means selected head or re means head and Sha means to select. But I just I expound upon that um, in my latest book is called Breathing with Orisha. And, you know, one of the things I talk about is that like when we say head, a lot of times Africans, we speak in a metaphor. You know, we speak in metaphors. Something don't really mean something or something means something, but like a bigger something, you know, like you got to understand the context. So Ori means head, but it also really means consciousness. Like we're talking about consciousness. Like we each have Ori, we each have a head. But when we're talking about Ori Sha, we're talking about a selected head, a selected consciousness that a bunch of different heads can fall under. You know what I'm saying? Or exist under. Um, so Ori Sha is like a selected consciousness. We're talking about universal energies that give birth to so many things. Like Oshun will give birth to the river, she'll give birth to sweetness, she'll give birth to bitterness, she'll give birth to um, you know, stagnation and flow, she'll give birth to motherhood, she'll give birth to um, wealth and abundance and the marketplace. And so there's so many things that exist under the Ashe or the Ori of Oshun and that can encompass so many people, places, natural elements, et cetera. So, yeah does that make sense <laughs> I mean I'm like yeah <laughs> but I love that you say we speak in metaphor and I think something that's really important for people to understand is so much of the tradition is carried on through stories folklore um and to your point like song dance so just another thing to share with the people about you is that you are a drummer and a singer and you know these traditional songs like 
the back of your hand. Can you share more about the way in which you grew up in drumming and like the ways in which we as as a people kind of like practice through song, dance, music? So growing up as a drummer, for me, I learned how central the drum, the song, the music, the dance is to wellness of my community, that no matter what else we did, whether people were praying or working with herbs or, you know, doing animal sacrifice or whatever other parts, you know, of our livelihood happen, no matter what, everything culminates in this, what we call the Igbo do, the sacred grove where we come together for our healing, where there is music, where there is dance, where there is song. Um, all of that energy, everything people prepare for so that we could come together in this sacred circle and dance and sing and play drums. And the reason is, is because when we come together in that circle, all of the songs we sing, all of the drum patterns, um, all of the dances are emulating ancient knowledge. And so they reawaken ancient knowledge. So for um, if I sing a song for Oshun, that song is going to take me through very specific aspects about Oshun. And so when we sing that, we invoke that ashe, we invoke that power of Oshun. And again, it's Orisha, selected consciousness. So we ain't just calling on Joe Blow from the corner who passed away the other day, who wasn't shit and he needs to work on his life. You know what I'm saying? Like we might pray for him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or pray for him, you know, and pray for his elevation. And that's another real thing that we do. Um, but in the Igbo do when we, with the drums and everything like that, we're calling on an ancient consciousness that will help everybody in the room to elevate, to remind themselves of their own power, to remind themselves of where they come from, um, to remind themselves of the medicine that they have access to. Um, so that's really the importance of the drum, the song and the dance, like to remind ourselves of our power, to re-invoke that power. So it's, um, it's central to everything that we do. It's what helps people to remember that they're alive and that they're alive with power, alive with wellness, alive with medicine. You know, a lot of people come in kind of empty when they come to a drumming and then they leave like, whoa, like, you know, I feel good. I feel expanded. You know, like when we do ceremony, the drum, the song, the dance literally calls Orisha into the room speaking like God doesn't enter the room like quiet and, and nonchalant or you know apathetic when we sing and we call on God through voice through the breath God also responds with voice and breath and movement so the Orisha will come dancing the Orisha will come singing the Orisha will come speaking um, they will come to reflect on what's going on right now, you know, and bring wisdom and bring wisdom. So, and we just also have to remember that that wisdom that we're um, talking about with that Orisha has to live and come through somebody. So it's embodied knowledge. When that Orisha comes and they possess someone, that knowledge is embodied in that person. 
And then that voice, that ancestral voice, that Orisha is amplified through the person. So the person is a direct vessel for the voice of God, for the voice of ancestral wisdom, you know? And that's why breathing is so important. That's why the dance is so important so that we remember who we are. Remember who we are and our ability to converse with God and to bring forth medicine that is vital right now. So is the belief that all members of your practice have a bit of that God within them or are there like certain healers and like people who have been chosen? Right. So the somebody who embodies the Orisha in that way where the Orisha manifests completely through through them is called an elegum. And that is like a chosen path. Not that somebody says, you, you're gonna be the elegum. It's like, it is what it is. You know, it's like you born with brown hair or you born with blonde hair. Like, uh, like it is what it is, you know? Um, some people are more open than others. Um, and that's really just, it is what it is. Um, what was the other part of the question? You were like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was really my question. Like, are there certain people who are chosen to embody God? But but I also know just from what I've heard Shade say, like, when you're born, you're, you're like assigned certain Orishas, right? That yeah. you that represent you in some type of way. Mm-hmm. Like there's divination, like the, one of another core of um, our tradition is divination. So basically communication in a nutshell, there's a million different places where we communicate, like there's divination, there's also the drumming. That's another form of communication, right? Um, so each thing that we do, we're really communicating. There's nothing that we do without communicating with God. Like it's always checks and balances. It's always like, what's going on? So with somebody's life, there are different times where we do checks, you know? So when they're born, um, there's ways to divine for the baby when they're born to understand like, you know, how to prepare this child through their life and throughout life there's different times where we check in um and everybody every person has that connection some people are more like mediums like i'm more of a medium right like where like i don't i won't necessarily get possessed like that but the arisha will be like so this is what's up and i just need to speak it's like what's up homie Uh, okay all right so this is what's going on you know what I'm saying? Versus like there's some people where like there we should be like, nah, boom, bam. You know, so it's um there's different levels of it. I have a question. Um, because you spoke a lot earlier about how it is tied to our African ancestry, um, and just like, you know, ancestry in general. Is there a movement within the religion or religious practice to get more black people involved? Right, so that's a very loaded question, a great question, but it's loaded because um, I would say yes and no. I think um, I come from a community that is more pan-Africanist, so they're more interested in working with Orisha for African descendants. Everybody who practices Orisha though is not black, um, is not pro-black. There are a lot of people who literally use the ashe of African ancestors who are racist. So it's another form of spiritual slavery and people don't ever really speak about it in that way. 
but there are white folks who literally hate black people, but worship black gods because of what those black gods can do for them. Um, so I always say to black folks that it behooves them to under, at least understand where you come from, at least understand the power that is in your blood, your DNA, your ancestry, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to practice it or not, might not hurt just to understand who the hell Shango is, you know, <laughs> like, or who Oshun is, or who Obatala is, or what is really the foundation of Vodun, you know, like, these are things that white folks are capitalizing on right now and quickly, 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 quickly. And so when I made Key Ray Wellness and when I wrote my book, you know, it was spirit that was really leading me in that conversation. Like, you need to be one of those people who are explaining this to Black folks in a way that shows them how it's connected to their ancestry now before it has a white face and they're selling Black gods to Black people, you know, and white folks are the people who are, you know, capitalizing off of that. So... You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. But my thing is with Black folks, because we live in this Western culture and because our cultures have been so demonized and we've been trained to literally hate ourselves and where we come from and, you know, our spiritual traditions, especially to see them as evil, you know, whether it's in media, no matter what no matter where you look, it's really hard to see positive portrayals of African tradition. So with that said, it's hard to have that conversation with African-Americans, especially, um, meaning like from Canada on down to the bottom of Peru, you know what I'm saying? Like African-Americans. Um, because until it becomes mainstream, until it's sold to them and seen as something that's profitable. It's not really gonna be a conversation um, that holds weight, you know? And I think that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Like Beyonce had to have that conversation for the, for, you know, for African descendants here to really be like, oh, shoom. Like, yes, you know, Beyonce's doing it. So for me growing up, I was always in Olorisha. I was always into Orisha. And when I talked to like Nigerians, like in junior high school, I'd be like, you know, Yorubas, you know, practice like Orisha and this and that. They'd be like, Yorubas are Christian. You know, like that was real talk what it yeah. was. I was a witch growing up. I was, mm, don't mess with him. The God's gonna get you, you know, like stuff like that. Like those kind of conversations. But I can never hide from it because my name is Oludare and I was born in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Like, so, you know, if a Nigerian comes up to me and is like, yo, what's your name? I'm like, Oludare. He's like, hey, you Nigerian? And I'm like, yeah, I am, you know, but I'm Nigerian this way, you know. <laughs> We've been Nigerian over here. I was, you know, oh, where's your mother from? Brooklyn. So how are you Nigerian? Well, you know, and then I got to give a history lesson. So I've never been able to hide from the story of my African ancestry being of African descent. But is the African community, African descended community ready for that conversation? I think now more than ever because of Beyonce, 
um, because of the struggles that we're going through right now, people are seeing like there's cognitive dissonance going on um, with Western religions and Western power. So it's like, people are like looking at their melanin and being like, well, where do I fit in? I don't even feel safe, you know, white Jesus, huh? Like what? Like there's a lot of cognitive dissonance going on. So they're looking and searching now. So I'm open to that conversation. I have to be humble enough to be open to that conversation and be like, all right, cool. Y'all ready? All right, cool. Like, here's what's up. <laughs> Yo, you just went in on so many things. One, just talking about the white faces of the tradition is such facts. And I think what people don't understand about our traditions is that like, there, nobody like, it's, there's no Bible. Like nobody like wrote a book and was like, here's the book. And it got spread to all these people. Like, yes, now present day, tons of people have books that speak about the practices, but this was literally orally taught. It came from Nigeria. It went to Brazil. It went to Cuba. It went to Re Dominican Republic. It made its way to New York City, to Texas, to Florida. So everyone- you talking about Shango, it went to Trinidad too. Yeah, Trinidad, all over, all over. And it became its own things in all these different places. But when we pray, when we sing, when we do everything, it's in Yoruba. And like that had to be passed from- somebody's godmother to somebody else's godmother to somebody else's godmother on and on and on and on and down and down and down. And that is, I think, the power of it, right? It's not necessarily, well, you do it this way, you do it that way. It's that these Black people who were enslaved and came over here kept their traditions alive to keep us well, to keep mm -hmm. us like passing that down. So it's so important, I think, that we have the conversations and that it doesn't just turn into some type of like, you know, everybody selling Palo Santo and <laughs> flicking Florida water around the house. <laughs> or like a, like a, you know, where the question came from, from me is, is more like an us and them kind of conversation versus like, as you mentioned, like some people are going to have to be educators and some people are going to have to be, as you said, like humble enough to share mm -hmm. the information. Cause as you mentioned, there's no book, you know, like it's orally and taught and shared. Um, I will say a lot of people take some of these practices and may not call it what it's called. You know, like I know a lot of people who are Christian, they go to church every Sunday, but they're still lighting candles and talking to their ancestors and making little notes and like doing all this stuff that is not Christian, but they're doing it. It's like just something that they do that's comes natural to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this definitely, for sure, for sure, for sure, African tradition, latent in everything that we do, it can't come out. Like, you can't take it out. You can't take the Africa out of people. It lives within the blood. So, you know, in my upbringing, a lot of my research and a lot of my focus was on understanding, like, how African tradition still lives on. So that when I have the case, conversation about Orisha, I'm able to also see clearly with where folks have always been connected to their ancestry to connect the dots, right? You know, not saying like, y'all ain't African no more, or like, or like y'all ain't African. My conversation with African descendants is y'all are hella African. Like y'all been doing this stuff. Like, what do you think black churches, black churches hella 
African. You go to white church, there is no possession. There is no getting the Holy Spirit. There is no drums. There are no right clapping and raising the energy. The preacher is not sitting there giving you a reading. You know what I'm saying? Like pulling somebody up and just reading them for life. You know, like that. that is African. That is African. You go to white Catholic churches, quiet, follow the rules, quiet, follow the rules, quiet, pray like this. Boom, 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 boom. You go to black church, it's just like the Bembe. You know, the Orisha ceremony, it's the same way. Um, and that's, I think the, the, the folks who are willing to recognize that can see the connections to Orisha. And not that everybody has to be an Orisha priest to connect, but like I said, I just feel like people just need to understand like, this is where they come from. Like, if anything, this is why your church looks the way you do. You just want to do Christianity, cool. But, like, these traditions are why your church looks the way it looks. Like, that's why it's so lit. That's why your choir is so lit. That's why the Holy Spirit is in your church. Because these Orisha, even if you don't call them Orisha, these ancestors, again, Orisha are ancestors. You know, all of these ancestors that allowed us to understand Orisha become a part of Orisha. They become a part of the journey. We can't do any Orisha ceremony without first speaking with and acknowledging our ancestors without egging. So what that says is, is that, for instance, somebody who's interested in becoming a priestess of Oshun or a priest of Oshun, and let's say they go straight to Africa, right? And, you know, do their ceremonies over there versus doing it over here they're skipping generations and generations of people who had to survive in order for them to even relearn who Oshun is today, right? And it's arrogant for us to think that our ancestors didn't know who Oshun was, even if they didn't know the name, because literally the name was beat out of them. That doesn't mean that they don't understand the energy of it. So when we look at hoodoo, when we look at black church, when we look at Shango Baptist or Spiritual Baptist Church in Trinidad, like we see the Orisha, even if we can't call them by name, there was literally a time where we could not call them by name or we can be executed. So, you know, just acknowledging that, acknowledging how African our spiritual practices are, whether you're Christian, Muslim, Jew, you know, Jewish, whatever, or just spiritual, like acknowledging the source of it, the root of it, I think is it really important. And something else I think that's so important is you said it's energy, right? So a lot of times people may think that's the a spirituality or religion is embodied maybe like in a person, but like to your point earlier, speaking about all the things Oshun gives birth to, like Oshun is the oranges Oshun is the honey Oshun is the um the the twins you know well giving birth to the twins there's a lot of stories about twins in Nigeria there's tons of twins in Nigeria but anyways um (laughs) oh the yams yes yams Oshun Oshun is energy yams help you make twins oh yeah don't get her started yeah I'm gonna eat yams (laughs) <laughs> no, seriously, yams, like, that was one of the reasons why there was such a high rate of twins in Nigeria or, like, Yoruba land. Like Yoruba Because yeah. yams are a prominent crop. And 
it's something about yam that helps to generate like in the DNA to create twins. Oh my here, gosh. Here Chelsea goes. I'm but about to only eat yams. <laughs> but it's literally an energy, right? So it's, it's, it's can be, it's everywhere. It's omnipresent, right? It's within everything that you do. So you might even not realize it, but you may go somewhere and you're like, whoa, you know, you're in the river or you're in a forest or you're wherever. And you're like, whoa, I'm feeling all this energy, right? That's Orisha. That's your ancestors. That's everything that's within us. Yeah. When we went to New Orleans, I will never forget that feeling. Like it was some street we went on and I was like, I'm feeling something. (laughs) Like I feel something. This is like a feeling. Um, I also love that like baked in a practice because it also gives you respect for your earth, you know? And like, if you believe that, you know, the tree is God, then you have to respect the tree. Absolutely. I have also have a question. So what happens in Yoruba religion when you die? Oh, that's a great question. So basically what's believed is that when you make Ocha, you make Ocha to live forever. Well, that's one of the reasons kind of thing. Um, because what we do is we do what's called the Ibae, where we call on all of the names of all of the ancestors. Um, and in that Ibae, like what that's saying is basically that like, you'll never die. Like we'll always remember you um, mentally and spiritually. Of course, physically, we never die. We always come back. But just because somebody does reincarnate or does have have children or family members who continue to go on or even spiritually possess like an ancestor's energy physically doesn't necessarily mean that that ancestor is still being remembered. Does that make sense? It's, 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 a, it's yeah. a similar, it's a similar conversation of like black church where I'm like, it's hella African, but if people don't acknowledge that as African, it's a different conversation. It's a different conversation. So it's like, I can be practicing, but still not acknowledge like here and here, like where it comes from. And that causes a certain level of dissonance as well. You know, it's like, if I created something and I know that so-and-so over there is using it, but they don't remember that like I'm the source, I may like, my energy is still being used in the world so i'm constantly alive and aware and present but i'm not being acknowledged as being alive so it's like it's like a limbo and that's why like altars egun the ibaes are so important and people literally have yo you go to some people's house their altars are packed there are people there from i don't even know how many years ago there are ibaes of people from God knows how long ago and people will write down lists so that like their kids know they're Ibae. So you're acknowledging someone's godmother from however many moons ago because their names, you know, have to stay alive because you would not even be in this tradition if it were not for X person. So you carry on the name. But I think something else really dope about the tradition is like this concept of kind of like good and evil or like good and bad, right? So like death Iku, right, is its own energy. So yep. it's not like this, like, ah, you die. <laughs> it's its own energy that we speak to. And we're like, hey, um, could you like 
not come around right now. Like we just don't need this right now. <laughs> but like, we know you're always present, but like, we just need you to chill and like back off this person for a minute. Thanks. That'd be so great. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, no, I felt like you were about to unclick. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I would love for you to share more about your breathing with Arisha classes. Um, you, I'm, I'm all up on your website and you focus on breath work, but also like cultural restoration, song and drum healing. How did you even like get started with this? And can you just tell us more about it? For sure. So basically... My goal is to like demystify what we do and put it into the context of what it really is, which is wellness work, it's healing work, um, it's spiritual healing, it is cultural restoration. Um, so what I did was just basically took all of the rituals that we do that doesn't necessarily make someone a priest because there's... Hmm? Like that doesn't make someone a priest, right? Because there's a lot of work that we do that doesn't make someone a priest. Like priests do work for people or do work with people. And that work that we do a lot of times happens on the hush hush or, you know, it's like a like a kind of secret society. It's like you either know about it or you don't. You either like with it or you're not. And so my thing was to just demystify the culture and just be open about who I am and what I do. And just take it away from this idea that like you have to be religious in order to practice this work or in order to do this work. Like you don't have to become a priest. You don't have to be in the Orisha tradition to do the work. You know, you don't have to do that. So I just broke it down to what we really do. Like when I play those drums and people are there cleansing and dancing in front of those drums it's healing like that's what we're doing um when we do the songs those are mantras you know those are mantras that literally help us to connect with our african ancestry like it's cool to do a yoga mantra it's cool to do um you know a hindu mantra things like that but with key rate wellness we're acknowledging that african descendants have their own ancestral mantras that we can get into that we can tap into that have direct connection to our journey and where we've been and that's more powerful for me because it connects to my story it connects to my ancestors it connects to what my ancestors ate didn't eat it connects to the lands that my ancestors have traveled to didn't travel to it connects to their spirituality their politics their history all of that so that's why it's important for me to present orisha tradition in this wellness way so that african descendants can wake up to the fact that like this is something that can help you you don't have to change religions but this is your birthright because of your melanin like get into it tap in I love that. And speaking of tapping in, if someone wanted to get involved and get more understanding, I guess, what would be a step one, two, and three for someone who, who is looking? For someone who is looking, I mean, like, first of all, thank you to Black Girls Texting, you know, for seeing the importance of this talk. Um, they can reach out to somebody like me. They can reach out to somebody like Sade. They can reach out to they could start there, you know, especially like the audience that'll be watching this. Start with us, hit me up, 
Keyway Wellness, you can literally get a 30-minute free um, consultation where I'm just able to talk to you and really understand what it is you're looking for before I start pres prescribing anything. It's like, what do you need? What's up? Where you at in life? You know, that kind of thing. Meeting you where you are. Um, so that's what I would suggest. Like, that's step one. And then step two and three is really about understanding what a person really needs in their life right now, um, what they're going through, what is their mission. And all of that gets discussed and discovered and there are remedies, but we have to first meet. We have to first talk. Like this is not a generic thing. Every person that I work with, every group that I work with is different. Everybody needs something different. It's a unique experience each time. Do you ladies have any other questions? Any burning questions for, oh, he's the expert y'all. I'm just over here trying to get my, my stuff together. No, I like, I literally loved hearing from you. I think, I think, you know, we mentioned media portrayal and like when we see voodoo, it's always like evil and like scary. Um, even growing up, I remember my sister was dating a Trinidadian man whose family was Shango Baptist. And we went there once and it was like all these women in white screaming and it like freaked me out. I was a kid. I was like, this is scary to me. Um, but now I think, you know, the vibe is really changing. Like I look at shows like Lovecraft Country and, you know, they didn't go deep into, you know, what these things mean but they definitely spoke about spirits and talking to your ancestors and all of that stuff and how they need to help you and guide you through life um so I think now it's definitely the time if you're if you're curious reach out to Olu reach out to Shashade maybe Olu first <laughs> um but now is the time for us to like you know learn more about ourselves for sure for sure Agreed. real Thank you so much for joining us, Olu. Can you let the people know your handles, your website, all the things? Oh, for sure. So my website is keyraywellness.com. That's K-I-I-R-E wellness.com. And then also my Instagram and Facebook are also Keyray Wellness. K-I-I-R-E wellness. Keep it simple for y'all. <laughs> we love it. Y'all also need to tune in if you can ever see Olu do a live singing and playing the drum. It just literally sends me. I look forward to it all the time. Your voice is amazing. And I don't know, it just takes me back to my childhood being at Bembe's and functions, hearing your voice and seeing you with your mom and your sister. It's just everything. Yes, 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 yes. Please, please tune in. And thank you so much for bringing me Sade. Thank you for the Black Girl Sex and Team. It is an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Olu. Thank you so much. <laughs> what would you do? Can we get into our what would you do? Sade, didn't you get like a crazy text? So actually, the what would you do this week is my own what would you do? Oh, I love when this happens. <laughs> okay, so we talked to Olu like all about spirituality, obviously like my religious background, but my boyfriend and I both come from like very different upbringings in speaking about religion. And we haven't really like dove into the conversation of it, right? Like, oh, well, how would we raise our kids and blah, 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 blah. But when I talk to my mom, she's always like, well, 
you know you're going to have a naming ceremony, right? And like, you know, your kid is going to do this and that. And I would obviously love for my child to like have those things. I still don't know if I'm going to necessarily want to like raise my child the same way that I was raised. But so much of this tradition is kind of like, I don't want to say that you don't pick, but like some things just like are supposed to happen and you should kind of lean in, I guess. So what do you guys think about that? Like, I know this is a long ways from now, but I think it's definitely something to consider when you're thinking about a life with someone. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely something to consider. And I think it's, I'm not a relationship expert, but I think it's a positive thing that you're thinking about this now. That's like a good sign that you're thinking about the future with this person. So that's good. He should see that as positive as well. Um, And we all come from different places, right? So could your kid just have this very full religious experience where they have both? You know, could they could they do your traditions and also take part in his like and they get to experience so much? Sometimes I think it's it's silly that we you we box ourselves in and we're like, we have to choose one thing. Like, why can't they just have this super rich religious experience? Agreed. And it's also interesting to think about how Olu was saying that there's African tradition within all these other religions. So it could be interesting to see if your partner could like kind of lean into those parts of his religion where there's overlap. Um, And like you said, Chelsea, just have this really full spiritual experience and spiritual ass household. That could be fire. That's true. I think what freaks me out, and Olu mentioned this too, is kind of like the more older generations, I think are a little more hesitant. So like, I I know from my mom, it's very much like, boom, 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 boom. This is how it is. I can't speak for his parents, but I think that's what freaks me out. Like, I know for myself, like how I would want to kind of have this free flowing household, but I get scared about, you know, the parents getting involved, like that dead ass. I think about it and like, it's a long ways from now, but it makes me a little anxious. Yeah. I also feel like you have to draw that line too. You know, at the end of the day, if you and he have children, those are your children, you know, and obviously you love your parents and you respect your parents' opinion, but those are your children. So you guys have to come together as the parents and make the decision for your kids. That's a good point. This Not is all wrong. hypothetical. I know she's like... <laughs> These people still going to come at me crazy, but (laughs) all right. (laughs) No, that's true. That is so true. And I feel like every parent has to do that at some point, whether it's like speaking about religion or literally like, do I do this with the baby? Do I breastfeed? Do I blah, blah, blah? Like everyone's always going to have something to say. This is just, is my child not going to have a name to seven to nine days and then have a whole ceremony, but whatever, you know, tomato, tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's that's interesting, but I think it would be really cool if your kid just had like this, like, oh, my goodness, I know about this and I know about this. And like, you know, I'm attached to both of my sides, families in these religious ways. I think that would be super cool. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. And also you came into your religion like more fully, like later in your life. So you could also give your child like room to have choice mm-hmm. too this is true you know uh, uh, yeah <laughs> like we, no we won't get into it but yes this is all the things you guys are saying are very true 
Yeah. You guys will figure it out. Love some good advice from these gals. Sometimes it's not good, but this was great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say usually mine is pretty good. I still think about that letter from that 40 year old lady. And I'm like, did I give her bad advice? Yes. Yes, you did. (laughs) You did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I don't think so. The only advice is to leave. If you still haven't decided, sis, I hope you dumped him by now. Well, that's it, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Black Girls Texting, for hopping in the group chat with us. Special shout out to Olu for joining us and sharing all that wisdom with us. And if you have a what would you do, please send it to us at hello at blackgirlstexting. That is our email. That is yes, correct. good job. <laughs> Something about the I'm at and the at. Because um, we want to hear some of your tea, some of your mess as well. Yes, please. So I don't have to be spilling my guts every week. <laughs> we'll see y'all next wow. week. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.